I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Athletic Hockey Shans. What That's we, not what bad. We, what we, I think that one's fine. We're still we're still spitballing. People have sent us ideas, but we have many of them. Yeah. I have a special dedicated little WordPad document. Yep. Um, we have we we got your between two Shans suggestions. That one's definitely. That's building, building momentum. That should be how, that should be the style in which we speak to Frankie. Yeah. On, just on, the, on the Frankie take. Monotone insults and see how long it takes him to. <laughs> oh, I think he'd be pretty quick on the uptake there. Frankie's a smart <laughs> fella. I think, I think he would know what we were up to. He might catch on. Yeah. He's off today, by the way, folks. Frank will be back next week for our post dead or no. Pre-deadline. That's pre-deadline. Two days before the deadline. 48 hours. There might be trades breaking as we record next week. Can you imagine? Maybe maybe we'll be breaking the trades. (laughs) Maybe. Me and you. Trade grades. Don't say those. Don't say those two (laughs) words together, buddy. How about listeners? How about you throw your suggestions for the name of the show in the comment section? That's that's the prompt that we'll do here. That's how we'll get people flocking back to the comments. Oh, look at us. Securing engagement, content geniuses. That's why. That's, that's why we're doing. It. You guys, you guys, send us your suggestions, and we'll look at them and make a note to talk about them next show, and then forget to do that, and you'll just be mad. Do you know how many times I've done that? <laughs> I, I I need to start actually having like some kind of note on my phone where I'm like, oh, we should talk about that on the show because I'm years into doing. I this do that. Every, I've never yeah. done it. I'm always like, oh, I'm I'm gonna remember this when it's podcast time, and then I'm sitting there going, didn't something happen? And then have I watched hockey this week? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know that I have. It just it just passes through me. Yeah. Well, I I did watch hockey this week mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, so do we do we is it is it officially our first segment? Yes, it is. What we learned? Yes. Okay. The boss. Uh, here's is, what the I boss learned. Is like that one. And it was, I something, that it was something that we threw together. It was something we threw together in ten seconds before we, but before we had to record. We spent a lot of time on this. It's very difficult. Here's what I learned: uh, if your team is planning to go and see you too, cancel it. Yeah. Something great about a band who doesn't believe in luck coming 
to Las Vegas. I think you make your own luck, is what I think. That's a season saver right there. The, uh, the, the A week ago, we were talking about Nashville uh, Predators not getting their U2 concert. Mean old Barry Trotz uh, and Andrew Burnett refused to let them go. And since then, uh, they're the 79 Canadians. So good uh, good call by them. But here, here's my question for you. Greatest midseason impact by a 80s musical act in Central Division history. Is it St. Louis Blues and uh, Julia, or is it, uh, or is it you two? I think I think we're. I can't imagine. I, I never would have thought. Glory. I said Julia. What the hell? Julia. Glory. Jeez, I only heard it four hundred times that that year. Julia. <laughs> Julia. <laughs> you know. Oh man, no, I crush a, the pop culture stuff, man. I'm so know, good at it. Whatever, dude. I'm. I get. I get worse by the day with that. Yeah. Um, Gloria. Gloria versus you two. Gloria's tough. Gloria had the resurgence during the Blues Cup run, so I feel like yeah. I feel like that just sort of that makes it a tough. It makes it a tough hill to climb. The bar's been set high, but yet I don't know this you two thing it's because they were so invigorated by the fact that they didn't have to look at bono for three hours that's what that was it was it. they were like that was it they, they, they killed him with kindness that's what the players thought they were like we appreciate so much that you're not going to force us to listen to whatever was going on in the sphere for the 45 mm-hmm. days that they were trapped there <laughs> and, and they're done now right like this isn't this know. option is not available to any other team <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like some some team that's some team that's like like where the wheels are like real like really starting to come off, and they're like, all right, what we need to do is schedule is schedule a trip to Vegas without any intention on taking it, yeah. and then pull the plug. Like, do the Devils <laughs> do the Devils still have time to make this like, happen? Does this in schedule between break Islander in such a way? Ranger games? They're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're we're definitely uh, we're definitely heading out there. Well, so so I'm 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 of two minds on this Nashville thing mm-hmm. as, as somebody at this point, like most fans, I'm, I, I'm, I'm rooting for whatever's going to make the deadline better. So Nashville being good, it feels to me like this is taking UC Saros off the board. And he was always like the biggest, he was the biggest name that was even vaguely realistically mm-hmm. possible with apologies to Jacob Markstrom and Jake Gunsell and guys like that. Um, Saros would have been the, the big, big one. And there was, there were some reports that, you know, even recently that the, the devils have been poking around. Um, that can't happen now, right? Off season. Sure. But deadline, you're, you're not going to do it when you're in a, a win streak. Yeah. So, he's got, he's got time left on his contract too. He's got the one year yeah. after this year and he's and it's a cheap deal. So that's, that's where the impetus for maybe trading. And plus the fact that they've, they've got the, the kid on the way in Nashville mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, apparently the real deal, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. But the good news, as you pointed out to me, was by going on this win streak, the flame, uh, the the Predators may have saved the deadline because the Flames have won four in a row, mm-hmm. but not gained any ground. And if the Flames get back in the wild card, then we're done because they've got all like the entire trade board now is just the Flames roster. The fl- and the Flames too. Their roster in general, I mean, it's built theoretically to be contender adjacent, let's say. That's what they thought they were getting with mm-hmm. Uberdo and Kadri and Uyghur and all these dudes who, 
in theory, should be part of a team that can win a round or two of playoff games, right? And a good goaltender and mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff. A know. good goaltender and an ownership group that really, really, really wants playoff revenue. That's yeah. that's the other thing. The Flames are one of those teams, you know, everyone wonders why they've never done an all-out teardown, rebuild. I mean, this is going back, whatever, to the end of the Ginla, right? Mm-hmm. They've never bottomed out because they're not allowed to bottom out like that ownership group is generally content with being like, yeah, we're good enough. We're going to make up, we're, we're going to make the playoffs, maybe win a round. That's going to get us seven or eight home games. Like sweet. <laughs> Great. Yeah. We'll take it. And that decision was like, had been, you know, it was, it, it was off the table. It's out of, it's out of their hands when, when the team's playing as, as poorly as it was, you know, for the first 85% of the season and now things mm-hmm. have changed. And now things and, and the the other element of this that's that's always made this fascinating is you had the the Craig Conroy situation where he comes in as the new GM last offseason replacing mm-hmm. Brad for living. And one of the things they ask him is about the 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 Johnny Gaudreau situation. And he says that wouldn't happen again mm-hmm. under me. I'm not gonna let star players walk for nothing. Now, I, we could get into the argument of, you know, where does Chris Tanev fall into that? Where do some other guys, you know, are they are they actual star players that you can't possibly uh, let them leave in free agency? But he kind of called his shot. And we've already seen it with, with Lindholm, already gone. Uh, Markstrom wouldn't fit into that category because he has time left on his deal. But, the, you know, Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin being the big one that you would, if you hold Craig Conrad to his word, he's got to move. Unless they're right in the mix and he can say, well, you know, geez, we got to uh, maybe we got to rethink things. But I I don't at this point, it, it doesn't look like it's going to happen because Nashville is so hot, which is bad for the flames. Good for the rest of us. If you're worried about sitting around next Friday watching absolutely nothing happen. Because <laughs> what do we have here? We have the flames are still five. They're five points behind the Predators, right? Yeah. Typically. In the With, wild, in the wild card a world, game in hand, mm-hmm. and St. Louis and Minnesota, who've been very good lately, lurking around too. So it's it's mm-hmm. you know even if Nashville falls, it's not like that just opens the door for Calgary to step through. They'd have to kick it in. That's that would just be a brutal choice for Craig Conroy to make in his first year as a GM. Where say like you know the Predators aren't the Preds in some weird world actually went to, you know, the Sphere. Yep. They went to the Sphere. They've lost five in a row. In the in the flames are tied for a wild card spot. Like you're re- you're really gonna move your be- like whatever a a top caliber a top pair caliber uh, set of dudes in in Hannafin and Tana. You're gonna do that. It, it 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 still could happen because I mean there's enough time for it. I, I should point out with Nashville with this win streak. It's great. It it coincides with the U2 thing. Also, the last three games of it have been San Jose, Anaheim, Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So not exactly a, a murderer's row. They've got Minnesota next. Uh, they've got Colorado after that. So that's a tough one. But then they go Montreal, Buffalo, Columbus to take them to the deadline. So you're that's five points. Pretty good chance that they, <laughs> they're going to bank some points, you would think. And, and you know, if they if they go and beat Colorado, then you're almost if you're Calgary, is that when you throw the towel in? Just think about how much trade deadline stuff over the last week, an increasing amount as people realize, you know, that, that Hannafin is well and truly not going to 
sign long-term there. And that, you know, Tanev continues to be one of the most coveted dudes on the market. There is a disproportionate amount of chatter and interest and, and just stuff in general hinges on what the flames on what the flames are doing. So I'm glad I'm glad that this is happening. I'm glad for the Nashville Predators. The other thing is we look ahead at the schedule. I was talking about the Nashville schedule. Uh, Calgary, they're they're off for a little while. They got Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They got Seattle. And then their game of, their last game for the deadline is in Tampa. And then after the deadline passes, they go Florida, Carolina, Colorado, Vegas. Dude, that is is that not set up perfectly for the nightmare scenario? Where mm-hmm. you're within three points at the deadline, your GM goes, you know what? They've earned it. You scrap not selling. Man. We're not going, you know, they do the whole Leo, we're not going yeah. anywhere, you know, we're and then lose four in a row immediately. And you're nine points out of the playoffs and you're going, I think we screwed up. We may mm-hmm. have made a horrible mistake. I hope that doesn't happen to Calgary. That's the lose-lose for everybody, Flames fans and deadline watchers. I think the offers too are going to come in and they're, especially for Hannafin, it's they're they're going to be serious enough where Connor, he's not going to be able to, he's not, even if he wanted to, like he's, he's not going to be able to hold here. Cause it's, it's going to first for Tanev. I think probably I'd be, I, I think mean, so too. As, as the longer we wait and the more the field kind of shakes out. And this kind of leads me, I guess, into, into what I learned because it's very similar. I don't know if the Detroit Red Wings are good. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to say that, you know, they're, they, they're a baseline good team. They are certainly playing well right now. They beat the brakes off. Who the hell did they beat yesterday? Was it, was it, uh, it was the Caps, of course. Eight goals on the Washington Capitals. Six straight wins. Six straight wins. Three in overtime, but, you know, whatever. Count them. Yeah, you count them. They've done, a kindness to the rest of the Eastern conference. Cause they've been able to stack points and move truly up until they're, you know, they're ahead of the lightning at this point. Yep. And then there's a drop in the fact that if the Red Wings would have hung around into the next week and been sitting there, you know, 65 points, 66 points, 67 points of a, a few ahead of, the Pittsburghs and the New Jerseys and the Washingtons. And even to some extent, after a little bit of a late kick, the senators of the world, the, those teams would have made poor decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would, they would, there would have been one or two teams there that just said, screw it held when they shouldn't have. And then run into the buzzsaw. Like we just talked about with the Calgary Flames where the deadline passes. And it's like, yeah, they go on the skid. And then it's like, we held on to, we held on to this for what? We didn't move Jake Gensel for what? Like, like to to what end was it? Was all this for the the Red Wings streak? I think has been able has forced a lot of those teams, particularly in the Metro Division, yeah. to just like cut the crap and the, say like, "Wait, well, this isn't happening this year." The Metro is the key because the D- Detroit has not just jumped past Tampa. Um in the mix for the two wild cards, they're ahead of Philadelphia now, mm-hmm. which doesn't matter standings wise because Philadelphia is third in the Metro and that, that locks them into that spot. But if you're a playoff team, if you're New Jersey mm-hmm. or Washington or Pittsburgh, 
I guess we have to include the Islanders in there too. That that's who you're now looking at is we got to try to catch Tampa for the wild card, or we got to try to catch Philadelphia and Philadelphia does have you know, a couple games in hand. So does Tampa, that sort of thing. But Detroit is, I mean, geez, Detroit's four points back at Carolina. Now mm-hmm. Detroit is two points back of the Maple Leafs with a game uh, that the Leafs have a game in hand, but I mean, and that's a Leafs team that just ran off a seven game win streak. They're mm-hmm. right there. And you talk about are they good or not? I'm I'm not sure either. But what I've been told, it doesn't matter. And it um, it doesn't matter. Like well, it doesn't, it, yeah, it, you're right, right. <laughs> but what I keep getting being told by Red Wings fans is the vibes are immaculate right now. This is just <laughs> everything is clicking for this team. This is the the Steve Eiserman vision is coming together now. Some of us would look at that and say, yeah, that's that's called a hot streak. Mm-hmm. It happens to every team for a couple of weeks at some point, given enough time, but. Uh, it's happening at the right time for Detroit. Still, I'm looking at Dom's playoff model, 76% for the Red Wings right now, which feels low based on where everything else is, has been at. It feels it's um, low. Here's why it's low because they're not a good, they're, they're yeah. not a great five on five team there. And that is a huge part of, uh, the model. Like it's, it's weighted to complain about it. It's disproportional, you know, that's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. The Red Wings are 45th in expected goals percentage at five on five on the yep. season. That's that's not great. In their in their 14th at actual. So cre- so credit yeah. to them for pot and the choices that they have. The power play has certainly been good points. Um, but man, Dude, the other I'm looking at Dom's model here, and this is I've I've never seen this from his model before. I mm-hmm. almost wonder if this is if the, if there could be a mistake or something because he's got the Red Wings seventy six percent to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but only fifteen percent to get out of round one, and then three percent to get out of round two, mm-hmm. which basically means he's saying likely to make the playoffs, but they will be staggering underdogs. Mm-hmm. I think that is where their poor play at five on five over the course of the season really makes itself known. Like to me after whatever paying too much attention to Dom's model over the last many years, 77% to make the playoffs for them. Like that sounds about right. If anything, I'm like, okay, that's like actually not a bad showing for them considering that they are bad at a lot of the things that that model values. Right. So you're like, okay. right, And this is what's happening here, right? It's just the model values certain things. And the model likes them enough because of the distance that they've created to make the playoffs. But when they're in the playoffs and then they're playing like, more than likely an actually good team they're playing whatever the rangers or the bruins or whoever it turns out to be you know that's where that's where we kind of see the the switch flip i mean this these numbers would have them at like 80 20 mm-hmm. underdogs i'm not sure any team in the water nhl never. is 80 20 in a playoff series you know what this happened because dom's on vacation all right been dicking was- around in hawaii for get the last- back dom <laughs> come on buddy. model the red wings <laughs> The Red Wings broke it. I think the Blues did that a couple of years ago, actually. Yeah. Broke broke the model and broke Dominic Lucician. Yep. Efficient, bloodless coup by them. <laughs> I think we're good on this. We can move on to the next segment. Yeah, we've we'll little... we both learned things. There you go. We've got to force ourselves on. Take a break. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Sean, the good thing about not having Frankie around here is that segment two doesn't need to have any, like we can just, we can just let it rip. We don't actually have to pretend to have serious conversations. That's right. We don't have to be on, on our best page. There's a, there's a real like substitute teacher vibe on the days that Frank's not here. So (laughs) I dig it. You were mad about Nick Cousins. Everybody's mad about Nick Cousins. That's, that's the default, the default state. I, I I mean, look, the, the Nick Cousins thing has been, uh, covered, mm-hmm. I think, pretty substantially this year. Um, on the ice, guys, guys, a punk, and they're they're a lot of players don't like him. Cousins healed quickly. He did. He rose from the dead on that one. <laughs> I'm not sure Greenway connected with his face as he grabbed his face. And we saw it again last night, where it's it was covered, like it's been covered on the ice, like or whatever. He says yeah. it's, been, it's been covered at length, and then he yeah. goes out and does something. Adds a new, new chapter. <laughs> he adds a new chapter to the book, and of course, we're talking about his uh, his complete flop dive, whatever you want to call it, last night, and then which well, he, reco- he recovered he, from the injuries he sustained very, very quickly. Exactly, he was able to it's, jump on the scrum. And, it's and, the recovery because if, if people didn't see it, so the Panthers are playing the Sabers. Uh, Jordan Greenway at one point there's a scrum in front of the net, uh, and he, he punches Nick Cousins right in the face, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm not condoning that. I mean, that if he played for the Leafs, that'd be a five game suspension. But luckily he doesn't. So it's fine. Nobody's worried about it. But he punches. He, he punches Nick Cousins right in the face. And I'm not, you know, people are saying, oh, it's a flop or whatever. And yeah, I get it. Look, Jordan Greenway punched me in the face. My face wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> Good like, face. Of dust. And I, you know, I'd be walking around. Uh, I'd be Shawnee no face for. For the rest of my very probably short existence, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been called that a time or two, brother. <laughs> so I get it, like I, I get it. But what happens is he then drops down to the ice. He's covered up. Uh, you know, he's waiting for the trainer, and then, not surprisingly, scrum breaks out. One of his teammates grabs Greenway, and then suddenly he pops up, and he's alive again, and he's he's jumping into the scrum and grabs somebody else. Pulls a, I don't remember who it was, but a, a smaller mm-hmm. saber off the pile. A <laughs> um, little bit, uh, yeah, not uh, not not it's, the greatest. It's, it's solid situational awareness, I think, it's, yeah. to some extent, by Cousins because he knew that he knew that the hit was good. Like, if he wouldn't have gotten up, 
I would have been like, yeah, he just got clocked by Jordan Greenway. Like, of yeah. course. And I, I, I think he realized that on some level that people that people were gonna were, were gonna give him some we're gonna give him some leeway there. And I and and it's and I'm sure I didn't see if if he got asked about it after the game or if he even spoke. I'm sure he'd say, no, man, I got you know I got punched in the face. I was disoriented. I you know kind of got uh, you know loopy for a second. And then I saw there was a scrum and I jumped in to help my team. And maybe with other players, you'd you'd buy that. But th- this is now like Nick Cousins. Um, in in addition to a whole bunch of other nasty off the ice stuff that uh, is is sort of a separate category of why people mm-hmm. don't like this guy. On the ice, this is a guy who has now got the reputation for, you know, he he, ca- he he's writing a lot of checks that he doesn't seem to want to cash. In the last three days. We've seen we've seen that obviously the Greenway affair, and if anybody is new to the Nick Cousins experience or whatever, has probably a lot of players too since he won our most punchable player category mm-hmm. in the uh, by a landslide. Jordan Greenway apparently read that and was like, "Yeah, sounds good." He got, got February twenty fourth. This is uh, Saturday. Yeah, he got clocked by Anthony Mantha like square fist and nose like cartoon movie punch like we're like right like right in his face yep so have we seen how does uh, so we've clearly watched the birth of this generation's you know you don't want to say this generation's brad marchand but like he's a rat everyone's aware everyone's aware of it and it's part of the shtick and it, but it's, it's hit critical mass. I feel like over the last month where it's like this guy, this guy's been, he's been in the league in and out uh, up and down for several years now. He's not, this isn't some dude who just came up from the AHL and, you know, with his, with his pants on fire. Right. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's been around for a long time and I'm wondering like the great pests of the last 25 years, mm-hmm. like, do you remember like what like do you remember other rat origin stories? Because like I'm str- I'm struggling to like well, where like where was the where was the moment for the for other guys where I don't like you can go up and down the list of like where you're like oh okay that's who he is this is who we're dealing with and this is going to be a narrative that surrounds well, this dude for the next however long. I, I guess a lot of it would be that and and this isn't a defensive Nick Cousins at all, but maybe, you know, you view it as a is for a lot of the other guys, the Matt cooks and, and those sorts mm-hmm. of guys that that moment was some terribly dirty play or, yep. you know, somebody getting hurt. And, and Nick Cousins has certainly had a share of dirty stuff, but he hasn't had that moment, that Matt cook moment yep. on, on Mark Savard where you're going, okay, now this is, this is, this, too much. Dude, is a, this dude is a predator. Well, it's like, right, whatever. Yeah. That having been said, I think, Watching last night, there was a very clear uh, reminder here, and it's one that I think is familiar to Sabres fans who maybe need to back off a little bit on the the whole uh, uh, holier than thou stuff here because <laughs> that play was that's the Matthew Barnaby move. Yep. Now, do you remember this play? You're you know you're you're quite a bit younger than me. Do you remember like in the I want to say in the late nineties, mm-hmm. the Matthew Bar right? They're up against the uh, the Flyers. Mm-hmm. And similar sort of thing. Matthew Barnaby gets hit in front of the net. He drops down. He, he's down for an extended period. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the trainer is out there administering last rites, all of this. There's a whole line brawl happening in the corner. And as it's happening, Garth Snow, who's the yep. goaltender, comes over and just with his stick gives Barnaby like a little poke as he's on the ice. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, you're not. Get mm-hmm. up. Like, gotcha. we all know you're not hurt. Yep. At which point, Barnaby leaps up, throws his gloves off, and pummels Garth Snow. Who, again, <laughs> mm-hmm. I will remind you, was a goalie. And you can imagine how that goes over. We're said, in fact, it's Rod Brindamore is the first guy who like jumps on his back. Um, but that one at the time was like the all time, like, oh, it, he's he he has been healed. What a, a a miracle has happened on the ice. And and the Nick Cousins was like the watered down 2024 version of that. That's great. Uh, this is why this is why I asked you the question. Yeah. Then- so it's like, hey, Sabres fans, man, I know you're ticked off, but this is how the rest of us felt when Barnaby pulled his his act and i feel like that was kind of the 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 barnaby origin story and maybe that's what we're seeing here because look matthew barnaby wasn't some one no goon like the guy could play a little bit and cousins oh is the same way when the when the, the penguins traded for him in 99 and that was a top 10 moment of in my life as a hockey fan up until that point like i was i was psyched psyched because like you know if you're a little a little brat 12 year old. Like I was, he was your patron saint. He was your guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. But I think we have to kind of stumble on something here. Right? It is like, like generally whatever, even post post Barnaby, I think Matt cook is a great example. Mm-hmm. Rats would announce their entrance. <laughs> their entrance music would be some kind of insane, dirty blind side hit. The kind of stuff that we generally don't see anymore. We don't want to. We don't want to say we because like you know, stuff happens and whatever. But the degree to which we were seeing stuff in two thousand four, two thousand two thousand six, two thousand nine, it was significantly, significantly more aggro than than, yeah. than what we see now. So these guys can work in silence to some extent. It's stuff that we don't see watching games. It's stuff mm-hmm. players probably don't get asked about all that often. But when they say like, "Who's a dude who you want to punch in the face?" and everybody is like, "It's Nick Cousins." And yeah, and 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 some of it for him, it's it's the lifetime achievement award because he's mm-hmm. got a whole history here. Totally. And some yeah, of it I is, hope, honestly, I hope that's part of I hope that's part of what what plays in a guy's thinking when they're like, "Yeah, I love yeah. it." I love it. Just and and part it. of it is also stuff like last night and stuff like who was it earlier? Was it uh, who who was it that he didn't fight? earlier this year and they ended up taking that's a great question i i don't i don't know i don't know if you can look it up as we but yeah like he that's part of it too is he doesn't answer the bell Mm -hmm. and so that really drives players crazy Mm -hmm. to this day you know there's a lot of players will say you know hey fighting's not a thing anymore i'm gonna go my whole career i'm never gonna fight but also i'm not gonna do certain things because i don't want to fight and if you do the thing then you're still expected to fight and look if if you're going to be a pest, if that's going to be part of your game, you're going to embrace. That's the way to do it. If you're, you can't be a pest if you're fighting mm-hmm. the other team's tough guy every night and letting him beat the tar out of you, and then you know everyone goes home happy. It's got to be, yeah. It was uh, Eric Goodbranson. Was, was Eric Goodbranson uh, producer? Just let us know. Um, it was was because it was it was, look, it was a dir- it was it was a it was a dirty hit that he probably could have been because yeah. I, I remember that he boarded him. It was a dirty hit that he could have yeah. been suspended for, and he could have answered Branson, the bell. Good Branson, Good Branson came up. Good Branson is a he's a he's a tough yeah. uh, he's a tough would, dude. Who, I wouldn't want to fight him either. Oh, I absolutely so, wouldn't. But so it's that kind of you know the the turtle, the Claude Lemieux being another guy who had that reputation for you, even in Montreal as a guy that you know famously. He would get hurt in Montreal and lay on the ice and Pat Burns would grab the trainer and say, don't go out there. 
we're like mm-hmm. we're just gonna let just let them lay there because we're not gonna we we've seen this act so many times it drives guys crazy and if you're nick cousins or i guess if you're a panthers fan probably you're like yeah that's that's the plan that's what we're gonna do and i'm old school i hate this stuff but mm-hmm. i will tell you there's gonna be a moment in a big panthers game probably in the playoffs Mm-hmm. Where Nick Cousins is going to do his, his little act and someone's going to pop him in the mouth and get two minutes and the Panthers are going to score a big goal on the power play and a whole bunch of us are going to sit there going, what a gr- boy, what a smart play by Nick Cousins. Yep. What a boy, this guy really knows how to go out there and help his team and he got, he earned that power play and it's, you know, they're going to pump his tires for it. It's part of the game, unfortunately. And I will tell you, I, I hate this stuff. I hate mm-hmm. it. I hate it so much. I hate that it's part of the game. I've always hated it. I can't stand it. But I thought Darcy Tucker was fun. I didn't have really have a problem with Darcy Tucker because I'm a Leafs fan, right? You always, it's your guy is always not quite the same. Like with your guy, it's always, no, you don't understand. And I'm sure some Panthers fan is firing off, uh, you know, if you really watch the games, you know that Nick Cousins isn't that sort of guy. No one's ever that sort of guy when it's your team. And I acknowledge that fully we had michael bunting for years we had nazim cat we've had guys who at least at times fell into that category um and it never bothered me as much as it bothers everyone else apparently like always <clears throat> like the line cousins. you know whatever marshawn cousins mm-hmm. darcy tucker whoever take your pick it's always like yeah well you'd love him if he was on your team it's yep. like you're right he's not so yep. i don't yep <laughs> that's 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 always there was because it's such a cliche thing to say like oh you know he's tough to play against you know blah 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 but you'd uh you'd love him if he was on your team like yeah absolutely he's not though so nobody is under any kind of obligation to mm. abide by nick cousins and you know the the last thing i'll say nonsense. is the the reason the guys do this and have for you is because it it does work yeah, of course until it, does. it doesn't mm-hmm. because i will tell you you know as 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 a leafs fan there was a point with Nazem Kadri, where yeah. they just stopped calling any, anything that happened on him. You yeah, saw they were like, with, they were like, and if you do something that truly well and truly cross line, we are going to suspend you. Like the yep. the, fir- yeah. the first, and he would the get first hammered. We had to Michael send Bunning you out. too. There was like too yep. much talk about how many penalties he was drawing, and suddenly he wasn't drawing. And that happens with uh, lots of guys uh, around the league. You do reach a point where it's like. This has now gone too far, and now you, you're suddenly not getting the calls. They're not getting much of them. Last night, Jordan Greenway, again, punched him right in the face. He sucker punched him right mm-hmm. in the face. I don't know if anything happened leading up to that, but, I mean, he just turns around and drills the guy right in the face. Oh, I think you can assume. Yeah, yes, I can. <laughs> but he just drilled him right in the face. You could absolutely call that a match penalty. That could be five minutes. That could be, you know, they gave him a double minor, and they gave Nick Cousins two minutes for getting up and, and jumping in. So two-minute power play for a full-fledged punch of the face from a big boy. Um, that's That maybe is a sign that even the refs are starting to go like, hey, we've we've had enough of this act. This is over and with. we're going to mm-hmm. put a bit of a thumb on the scale to see if this evens out a little bit because the refs don't like getting shown up either. They don't like calling, sitting there with their hand up on a penalty and then the guy pops up and he's totally fine. What we need to do at some point before the playoffs, and this is sort of how we, how you and I, we brought this up. I think when we were talking about this, like, are the Panthers, like, all yep. of a sudden, are they the, are they the Rats' choice? Like, are, are they is are they the number the number one, you know, 
Is Dude. is that the is You're that talking the, rats and Matthew oh, Kachuk's name doesn't even, even come yeah. up? Oh my god! Can you believe that? I was I meant to, I meant to say that at some point when we're, when we're talking about cousins. Like he like Matthew Kachuk is not even the biggest pain in the ass on his own team anymore. That's that that is a feat unto itself by Nick Cousins. Sam Bennett's like a distant third. And I mean, he'd he'd be a guy that a lot of teams would be that guy. And it's it's funny because I every year going in the playoffs, I do a, a rankings where I'm like, if mm-hmm. your team's not in, here's the bandwagon rankings. Just mm-hmm. on it. And I think it was two years ago. Just two years ago, I was like, hey, it's the Panthers, number one. Of course. Everybody's got to love the Panthers, right? They're, they, score, they, they're scoring all these goals. Scoring they goals. Have, they've yeah. got skill. They're, you know, it's it's a market that's, you know, they never win. They're not, you're not front running. This is finally their time. The the Panther fans have been waiting for years for this. Like, get on board, man. Panthers are are a good team. It's gonna be fun to cheer for. And now, two years later, it's like, no, we're all tired of those guys. Because they've a president's trophy and a trip to the final. So it's sort of like you could, you've had enough. They're they're established. Like we we can go back to you know, whatever. Like people like people can go back to being annoyed by Carter Verhage's mouthpiece or whatever. Whatever. Arbitrary the, the flip stuff. side of that is some people go like, yeah, but a year ago they made Boston and Toronto fans really sad. So maybe we're maybe you we're okay what? with those guys after. You know what? That's why they're still. That's why they're still at the top of my list, baby. Thank you, Florida Panthers. All right, we got to move on. We can't talk about Nick Cousins for the next ninety minutes, up. much as much as me, much as we may want to. Um, we kind of got into the Devils a bit in the first segment, but I think we need to revisit them here as well. Um, we're getting Fire Lindy chance again after yep. that being a huge part of the storyline last year at the start of twenty two twenty three opening night. It was honestly painful to watch Lindy, Lindy Ruff getting booed in, in the in, in the firing chance at, at the at game one, right? And then they pull it together. They have like a, a you know a, some kind of breakout season. This the the sort of thing we've been anticipating for them for a couple of years. They make the playoffs, and everyone loves them, and whatever. And they're in the middle of the season from hell here. Um, and he's back here in the chance. Mm-hmm. So there's job security questions. They are in the tank now because of partially because the Red Wings, as we talked about in, in the, in the first segment there. Um, Sean, like how much, how do you parcel blame out here when you have a season like this? Like how much of this falls on Lindy Ruff and how much of it falls on the devil's front office for a second straight season, thinking that Vitek Vanacek was, good enough to be yeah. the starting goaltender for a legitimate NHL contender. Like what's, what's, what's the blame of portion here? How many times do we say when a coach gets fired or he's on the hot seat, just look at the team save percentage mm-hmm. and it's going to be bad. And when a coach is <laughs> getting Jack Adams love, look at the team save percentage. It's going to be good. I mean, that just really feels like so much of this is just window dressing that we all kind of pile on, on whether the team has goaltending or not. And usually that comes down to whether an established guy is playing above or below his expectations, right? I mean, how many times do you see a team goes into a season with a guy who's a 9-15, 9-10 goalie, expected to be pretty good. He goes 8-95 for three months, and the coach gets fired. And mm-hmm. we all go, oh, yeah, that's this will be the change they need. Well, it's just, you know, he, he I guess he should have told the goalie to make more saves. In the case of Lindy Ruff, though, he just doesn't have a goalie. His front office has not given him one. And this is not 
for once in our line of work, this isn't just 2020 hindsight sitting on the couch mm -hmm. going, oh, okay, now we, now we realize that they should have done this. Everybody all summer was screaming, like, when are they going to make the move? And you know, when there were a handful of other teams too, and nobody did. So now from what we've heard, they're trying. We heard mm -hmm. them with UC Saros. We heard that Jacob Barkster may have got very close, um, maybe even up to the point where he was talked to about waiving no trade clauses and, and that sort of thing. But that fell apart. Uh, you almost look at it now and go, I mean, is it is it almost too late? Is it time to look ahead to the offseason? But, I, you know, I, I'll tell you, if I was Lindy Ruff, if I'm a coach in the NHL and you fire me in a season where I've got no goaltending because – you didn't get me a goalie. Mm -hmm. And also, by the way, my number one defenseman has been hurt pretty much all year long. Uh, that doesn't sound fair to me. Now, that being oh. said, who cares about fair? That's not that's not a thing in the NHL. And um, the, the thing that complicates it a little bit with Lindy Ruff, he is an older coach. You wonder how how long he he, he fits into the plans, even mm -hmm. if things are going well. Is is this was this maybe even going to be his last year? That sort of, you know, if if this was a young coach that was part of the plan, I think you just you just say, hey, one of those years, man, too many injuries, not enough goaltending, we got to fix that in the off season, and you and you just roll with it. You treat it like the Lightning treated the the year that they missed the playoffs. They didn't fire John Cooper; mm -hmm. they kept mm -hmm. going, and and it worked great. But when you've got a guy that maybe you were <clears throat> looking to move on from, anyways, kick him upstairs, whatever that was going to look like, do you? Do you now rush that a little bit? Because it it's still even with the injuries, it feels like missing the playoffs for a team that's this good, this young needs this experience. Like, mm -hmm. doesn't it feel like a disaster to to have it all well, have it all I, amount to nothing? Like for last the year? year, part of their part of the reason the fire Lindy stuff happened last year is because Andrew Burnett was sitting standing next to him on the bench. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That option has been taken off the table, right? And, and I think that's the sort of thing, that's the kind of hire that's made where you're like, okay, devils are planning, there's a contingency plan here in place. When you hire a guy like that who had, you know, who had just lost his job controversially with the with the Florida Panthers, right? Like, like we knew that that was the first inclination that maybe they were looking. And now it's and yeah. now it's only gonna only only gonna you had a guy who'd been what Jack Adams runner up mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And I, I you know what I I that's why part of the reason I stumbled there is because I was gonna call him a Jack Adams winner, but he did not win it that year. Mm -hmm. Um but, but I just keep coming back like the Vanacek thing, like I was never it's one of the few times that I was correct from the from the outset. Like when they when they made that trade, I was like this isn't going to work. Like I've watched, I, I watched more than enough of that dude with the caps in the two years before that, like not the guy, he's not the dude who, who you are saying like, all right, he's going to be our goalie for the next two or three seasons. And he's going to be the guy that's in net. When we go from being a team with potential to a team who can actually win a few playoff rounds, not that dude hasn't been that dude. Wasn't that dude last year. They were just good enough to, you know, outpace it. And this year has been a catastrophe. He's been one of the worst regular goaltenders in the league. As a team, their save percentage is third from the bottom, and they're ahead of Tampa Bay, which was starting a backup for the first however many months of the season in Ottawa, who's you know uh, who's a, a mess unto themselves, right? Like this is they're they're getting league worst goaltending, mm -hmm. and it's not a surprise. That's it's it's not one of those like goaltending's voodoo and volatile and all this stuff that we because it's true. Like it it's is corny and cliche, but it's absolutely true. 
But when a dude shows himself year after year to be, you know, a substandard starting goaltender, that's a theme. That's not the volatility of the position. That's just Vitek Vanacek being who he is, right? And, and I know Schmidt hasn't been great and whatever. But the fact that we're having this conversation, you know, on February 28th about the New Jersey Devils in a metropolitan division, again, we say it, we said it, this is our third show. We've said it in all three weeks. The Metro division stinks. It's not good. There's two decent teams and then, and then a bunch of, and then a bunch of cannon fodder. And, and then like, a Flyers team that feels like they can't give away that third spot. They don't even they, seem like they want to be good from an organization. Like, like, like you hear Danny Briere, like any any mm-hmm. interview he does, whether he's talking to Kevin Kurz with us or, or or whoever, it's like he he's talking about keeping perspective and keeping things, you know, like like realizing what the long term goals of the frown, all this stuff. That is code in barely so for saying like I will sell whatever is not nailed down here. Yeah, like you want you want Nick Sealer, fine. Sean Walker's not going to sign an extension. Come get him. Like we'll trade who whoever is not going to be part of the next really truly good Flyers team. Like make an offer and we'll give them to you, right? And that is the third best team in that division. And behind them are the Devils, who were a trendy preseason Cup pick, and they're on the outside looking in because of one position that hasn't been addressed. It's amazing. So like, let me out, ask you like, this. Yeah, let me ask you this. So we said in the the opening, Nashville's playing really well. UC Saros, presumably not an option. Markstrom, they got close on. For sake of argument, let's assume that that is not doable for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Do you go out and go at this point get and get someone else? Stop looking at dudes who have multiple years. Like, of course, you'd rather have UC Saros. You'd rather yeah. have Jacob Markstrom. But do you, you still go and give up assets that you could use in the summer to get? You know, now? somebody else for a Jake <laughs> Allen or uh you know somebody like like no probably not now like it yeah. might be well that's too, my question it, like it they like late, you do it in January fact, if you could but but they were I it, it's a wild course of action where it's like again would you would you like to reel in Jacob Markstrom absolutely UC Saros these guys have these guys would be long term answers right for for their purposes you can say we've solved this position for the next two three four years. Like I get it, but you have to have some situational awareness there too. And realize that, you know, as you're trying to hash out these deals, you're, you're dropping games because of goaltending and, and the other teams are stacking up points too. So it's like, they let the perfect answer, which would have been Jacob Markstrom, let's say, be the enemy of like improving the team in any, in any real meaningful way. And that's, and that's gotta be frustrating. I and, see more than enough devils fans on Twitter, man, and they are losing it. And I don't blame them. And, it's and just that Lindy Ruff is now the avatar for that frustration when it's like probably not entirely fair. That's but what whatever. surprises me. He's not the yeah. guy who's setting the roster. We talked about Craig Conroy having a tough time, but don't you feel like his his price for Markstrom, whenever the Devils call, has got to be oh. inching up every single day, right? I mean, it's, Can you imagine it's I mean, like, or yeah, or it's like they're at the point now where it's like, okay, maybe maybe this is something we revisit. And it's it's tough because it, the, apparently the sticking point when they got close before was retained salary. And that may be something, I mean, that is going to matter for years to come. So mm-hmm. it's it's not as simple as just saying, well, you know, okay, they wanted a third pick. We were offering a fourth. All right, we'll bump it up and we'll just, mm-hmm. we'll just deal with it. Like this is something that 
two years from now when you're going to be more expensive and everything, um, you don't necessarily want to have thrown this away. But man, it's uh, that's you know, it's like they've swung too far in the other direction there with that thinking because they thought like, okay, we're going to go cheap on goaltending actually, right? Yep. That's that's which that's has worked for some teams. Mm-hmm. But now it's like. And that was the model, and the end result is they've been able to pay Timo Meyer $8.8 million a year and Jack Hughes $8 million a year and Jesper Bratt almost $8 million, and on and on and on. They have all these big-ticket items. So now they have to they have to try to cheap out on Jacob Markstrom. It's one thing to go cheap when the dude you're trying to go cheap on is Vitek Vanacek. But when you're like, oh, I, don't know if we, I don't know if we have the space to make this work long-term, with Jacob Markstrom, that's when you know that your salary structure is out of whack and you, yeah. and you have painted yourself into a corner. And it feels like, like I, I, as much as we're criticizing them for going into the season, the way they did, I can see it in a sense in that, like you said, goaltending is so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. We see it every year where a team goes in and we go, Oh, goaltending's going to stink there. And then some guy has the season of his life or emerges out of nowhere to, as a reliable goalie. And you go, okay, they were fine. I, I don't, hate the idea of saying we're set everywhere else. Let's see what we got with these, these guys we have younger guys, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe one of them pops, maybe we're the, the, the beneficiary of one of those stories this year, but then what's plan B if it doesn't happen. And when does plan B kick in? Is it November? Is it December? I'm pretty sure it's not March, but apparently we're going to get to March and maybe beyond. And again, easy, easy for me to sit here and say like, Oh yeah, just go and, Go and make a deal. Go and uh, obviously they've been trying. They've come very close, reportedly, on on Markstrom, which would be the big big ticket item. But it just it hasn't happened yet. If you're if you're over, the phone part of your overall strategy, if part of your overall strategy is like we have to stay cheap on goaltending, that's completely understandable. Like we've seen we've seen that work. Like it's fine, but go get another cheap goaltender. <laughs> go get like it doesn't have to be Jacob Markstrom. Trade for Alex Nadelkovich. Trade for Jake Allen. Like go get go get somebody who's a passable option, if not a long term fix. You know, for two years, three years, four years down the line. Like that's it, it, not necessarily what it has to be, right? Because clearly they weren't like if they, if that's the way they wanted to structure their team around an expensive goaltender for for several years, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have signed Vitek Vanacek in, in the first place. Drives me crazy. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So I guess at at this point, is it you have to do it now or is it too late is the question. And I guess we find out the answer over the next little while. If they don't do it, do we agree that they absolutely have to do it this summer? Like there's no way we can do this again of going into another season with all this young talent and saying we're just we're going to roll the dice on the third season that they're going to have or two or three that have been completely derailed by goaltending. Because that's what happened before Vanacek. They're playing Nico Dodds and like they played just like dozens of dudes that year. I can't wait till they give up a first and a good prospect for Markstrom, and he he's bad next year. We're sitting here in Uh November, going, "What dummies? Why would they do that? Why did they panic?" Jacob Markstrom, Vanacek is off in like Calgary, having a nine thirty season, and oh man, brother, we got one more Metro Division topic we we want to talk about here. Um. What is going on in Long Island? Like, and, and is this collapse that we've seen the the total lack of post Patrick Watt bump? Like, how loud is the uh, is it time for Lou to go? Chatter gonna get here. I 
it's it's tough because a lot of that stuff tends to be if not media driven at least media supported and mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people in the media that have a lot of time for Lou Lamarello mm-hmm. and, and have a lot of respect for him based on literal decades um as as a guy who did a lot of winning in the NHL but past tense did and uh it it doesn't the situation in, in New York right now is bleak, not just for this year, but beyond the number of long-term, con- like long, long-term contracts. Mm-hmm. I don't mean two or three years. I'm talking red arrow on the cap friendly page. Cause it scrolls all the way. Ah, the red, a- the red arrow great. rankings, baby. The red arrow index had the Islanders at the very top. And I don't think that's the team that you want to have up there. He played his card. He played his favorite card, right? Bring in a Montreal Canadiens legend uh-huh. as coach. It's worked for him a lot in the past, but it's it's not working. Even as a short-term bounce, doesn't seem to be to be working here. So, uh, I don't you know. You're doomed when when it's like, how could they create space? Like, yeah. what is the path to improvement? And it's like maybe they could clear some space by getting someone to take JG Pejo who has three years and $5 million left three years and five at $5 million left on his yeah. contract. Like the route to victory there is really, really, really hard to see. Anders Lee, three more years, mm-hmm. Pedro, three more years, Pierre Engvall signed forever. Sezikis has three That's more the thing. years. It's not, it's, it's, it's every, not even it's everybody. It's not like, okay, Matthew Barzell signed for, you know, long-term. Okay, you get it. But it's, I mean, they got a fourth line that's uh, got guys on there. So, I mean, what's what's the exit plan here? I don't know. Do you fire Lou Lamorello? Probably not. Do you say, like, hey, Lou, maybe it's time to move upstairs? Um, maybe. that. I mean, you know, the guy's in his 80s, I believe. He's 81. Yeah, okay. So, he's a, I mean, uh, to say... Let's move upstairs. Yeah, it's a possibility. Now, remember, we've seen that twice already. We saw it in New Jersey. They bounced him upstairs. He left. He went to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Toronto, they said, we're, we're making Kyle Dubas. The GM will bounce you upstairs. He said, nope, I'm I'm out of here. And he left and went to, to the Islanders. So yeah, that was a few years ago. Maybe things have changed. He, he won GM of the year twice in that time. So, I mean, it's it's not like he's uh, hasn't had success theoretically. Mm-hmm. The thing that worries me if I'm an Islanders fan is if Lou moves upstairs, is it not probably Chris Lamorello who comes in, the assistant GM? At which point are you even, is that a change? Is that fresh eyes and all the things that come in, or is this just the Lamorello family still being in charge? I don't know. I don't, I think it's unfair to assume that Chris Lamorello with all his experience and everything in the NHL would just be picking up the phone going, dad, what should I do? But there is an element there where if you're looking for a, a full break mm-hmm. or a fresh, you know, that fresh set of eyes, is this, is this a scenario where it works for you? And whoever it is, whether it's a Lamorello or Patrick Waugh or me or you or whoever ends up taking this job, like it's ain't a one season fix. No. Like, like you need, those are the like, four main candidates, by the way, that you just named. That's not necessarily in order. Either. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Um, imagine that imagine being like a new gm coming in and like pat you know patrick was standing right there i forgot about that that's see patrick was standing there and you're like like, how long or some 
How long is uh, how long is Ryan Pollock signed for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that one, that one's tough, man. I don't I don't see a great path out other than to say, what were we five six years ago now? John mm-hmm. Tavares leaves, and everybody goes. The Islanders are done. Remember, there was the famous dead spin uh, uh, headline where it was like, "We've ranked every NHL team from the very best to the Islanders." In that season preview. And then they go and they make the conference final two years in a row. So I'm sure Islanders fans, there's a little bit of that. Like, yeah, go ahead and doubt us. You've done it before. Um, and sure. But I just, I, I look at this, this path. Yeah, This has got to be, is this the least desirable GM job? Ooh, that's a great, not, not even of a, the ones available, but like if, if all of them and, and, and there is no undesirable job because there's only 32 no. of them and everybody wants one. And look, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lineup. But classic. He said it. He said it, folks. Only no. 32 jobs. Is 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 there one that is gonna is there a tougher job? Maybe is a better way to put it than what's in front if, of whoever takes over the Islanders. If I'm a GM, I either want to take over a team that's really good or has uh, a bunch of crappy players coming off the books in, in the in the next yeah. few months. And I think or at least a bunch no, of young players, right? Columbus mm-hmm. is not a bad situation. No, no, no. There's some pieces in place. The Islanders don't even have that. It's I mean, death, they have it's prospects. Death, it's every the team death by paper cuts thing. It's it's what we saw for years with the Leafs, where they overpaid everybody a little bit, right? You pay, you give every player a year or two more than you should, and you give everybody five hundred grand more than you should. And then before you know it, your cap situation is a total is a total catastrophe. I I'm not the one who's supposed to bring up the Maple Leafs here. This sucks. I I've, I feel like totally ashamed for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good feeling. I'm with you. True, though. All right, we're going to hit a break. We'll be back for segment three. All right, we're back. And as a hockey media entity or content or whatever you want to call it, I think we're legally obligated to bring up Matt Rempe, the Rangers, six foot eight. God, what do we even do? we call him an enforcer at this point? He's a fighter. See, I don't think we do because I was mm-hmm. I was looking at his numbers in in the minors. He doesn't have huge penalty minute totals in the AHL. Um, mm-hmm. they're they're high. It does now in this era? I mean, that's that's. But I I mean, if there are enforcers any anymore, um, I guess maybe he's one of them. But uh, it's uh, whatever it's a big we're boy. supposed to whatever we're supposed to call a winger who's six foot eight. Like that's yeah. that's what that's what we're gonna call him. He fights every night and he can fight for sure. He knows what he's doing when it comes to that. And I, I tell you, I have, uh, we are what, 10 days into the, the Matt Rempe experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm already, I, I, I'm already exhausted by not him, but by the discourse around Mm -hmm. the, the, that is he fighting too much? Is he, should he be more selective? Is he, is he the greatest player who's there? Is he the new Jeremy Lin in New York? Where is he's come in and everybody loves the guy or is this, like what what is happening here i feel like we've already done like a year's worth of narratives around this kid um we he got the first goal out of the way early like it's it's too the writers are packing too much into episode one of the matt rampe story like there's no way they're going to be able to to keep this going what are we going to do when he goes three games without a fight or something because that's going to happen like that's that's the sort of that's the thing that's been lost, I think. And I get why people, you know, kid's 21 years old. You don't want him to f- 
you know, feel like the bear on the bicycle out there where it's like, okay, like do the thing, fight monkey, like whatever. He's not. So I get it. People are concerned. I I don't mean to downplay the concern. This is not going to be every night for this dude. It's not sustainable for anybody. The NHL will not make it sustainable for a dude to come out and fight every you know, in 80% there's not of enough guys to or whatever fight. he's not, there's not enough, there's not enough dudes. So it, that's the part of it that feels like truly much ado about nothing is that, yes, we've seen it. You know, the, the discourse is what it is. It it's, it's over. He's, he's out of runway here. Like we're like that. I, I would bet my life that that guy does not fight at the, at the start of his next game. Well, is that, I, is that wrong? Is that, is that, I, is that foolish of me? I, I, I don't know if I'd go that confident, but my life, it, yeah, maybe not I mean, my life. I bet I, 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 I might bet that he doesn't. If it, if I can yeah. find odds on that at a, at a sports book, I might put real life money on, on him, on him not fighting in his next. It, and this is a thing that is, this is a coaching thing. This is a case of somebody on that coaching staff sitting down with him going, Hey man, we appreciate what you're doing, but don't feel like you, like you're not here to do this. It's not like, Every time you fight, you get another game in the NHL, and mm-hmm. after that, you get sent back down. And yeah, we're not re- we're not rewarding you for this. Like this, yeah. you know, he, he's we know what's happening here, right? I mean, he's he's a big guy. He knows how to fight. That is still part of the NHL game. It's a much 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 smaller part than it used to be, but mm-hmm. it is still there. And he's like anybody else, any other twenty one year old kid in the NHL. He's trying to do whatever he needs to do to stay in the league. Um, ah and... yes the legendarily great impulse control of 21 year old men <laughs> if there's if there's yeah. one thing i look back on when i was 21 years old it's like i definitely knew what was good for me and, and, and yeah. people, career-wise certainly make me act rationally yeah well it's a nice this is a nice time where the the, the two impulses of a 21 year old how can i keep my career on track and also i'm full of anger and i want to punch somebody He's, like, he's, he's, he's getting attention. Like I, I don't, I don't blame him. The the shit I did for Look, attention when I was when I was in, when I was in college was, was embarrassing too. He's, getting, he's just doing he's, it at Emmett Madison. The ovations. Garden. He's he's doing what he's there for. But now is this a case where somebody sits him down and says, "Hey, just it's so we're clear on Because look, you and I are both. I mean, I I'm definitely old enough that I have seen over and over again in the older days in the NHL, a team would bring a guy up. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it would be literally like he's come up from the HL. He has 400 penalty minutes. He has two assists. Yeah, it's Ogie Oglethorpe. Like that's yeah. like that's like literally and, what would happen. And we've seen like I remember the the Leafs uh, called up a guy was uh, uh, Nathan Perot. I I think it was came up. They put him in the lineup for one game against the Senators. At one point, he bumped into Chris Neal. They didn't mm-hmm. fight, and he was sent down after the game. And it was very clear, like, dude, we brought you up to do this. You don't want to do it. All right, we'll find somebody else who will. And there, every team had stories of guys like that. But that that isn't the league that we're in anymore. So you you cert- you don't want to see the guy get hurt first and foremost. And we know now what we maybe didn't know, even if we should have back then, which is hey, just because you're not leaving on a stretcher after a fight doesn't mm-hmm. mean you didn't get hurt. Doesn't mean that you know that that whole nobody gets hurt in a hockey fight nonsense that we used to say is is gone now. So. Um, you know, you you hope he's okay, but but also like this, I don't know. It, I don't want to accuse anyone of like f- fate concern, but it does feel like a little overwrought to some extent. Some of the stuff that we're seeing, You're complaining about like, virtue signaling, Sean. Is is, is that what is, is that what this complaint is? <laughs> That's right. In my day, 
all we the, didn't have snowflakes. All the, all the woke scolds out there that, right. that, that are yeah. worried about Matt Rampy getting, getting punched in the head every night. It's over with. It's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go on in the way that it has. Like you know the it, the one thing I did look up I, as we were talking. I wanted to see if they played the Capitals because it doesn't I, I feel did, like I, the Tom Wilson thing is yep. still hanging over this Rangers team years later, and they don't. They don't they play don't. the Capitals. The rest I, I, I looked it up this morning because I think it was Larry Brooks. Someone, it, I, it definitely was Larry Brooks wrote, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, oblig, the obligatory Matt Rempe takeout feature, which, which everybody's working on their own version of. He talked to, he talked to, uh, God, he talked to a fighter for the Rangers. whose name escapes me. And he brought up Wilson at the end. And we, you know, Brooks, he didn't say who, like whether they were on the schedule or whatever, but he brought up the looming specter of, of Tom Wilson. So it, it motivated me to, to look at the schedule and we are unfortunately not going to get that because yep. I'm enough of a, I'm enough of a gorilla, like, you know, troglodyte where I'd, where I'd love to, where, where I'd love to see how that works out, but we're not going to, we're not getting it. Nick Fatui was the guy that he was talking okay. to. Thank you. So yeah, it's uh Look, man, I've 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 talked about it. I've written about it a bunch of times. Like I liked that era as mm-hmm. a fan. We'll we're never going back to it. No, nope. I used to love it. Oh, my, our team's brought up a tough guy. Look, he's lined up next to Prober at the face off. Here we go. It, but that era's it's not, it's not the way. It's not the way it works. It's anymore. gone, and maybe that's why this story has resonated so much, especially mm-hmm. with you know some of us older timers. It it feels like it it kind of brings us back to that just a little bit. But it's 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 gone, and it's gone for a reason, and. This is uh, it's it's a combination of that, and then and then the rain, and then the Rangers, you know, coaching staff just being like, all right, this is good. We'll 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 Mm -hmm. give you we'll give you a few games. This for for three or four games, you can be the kid that sits at the cafeteria table and will eat aluminum foil if if people if if people cheer like while he does it. Because we had one of those in grade school, it was not yeah. me. But it, it always, it always made me uncomfortable, and I, I think yeah. that Rempy has made me uncomfortable, kind of. And it, you know, to the point where eventually, like, it's, it's like, look, man, if hockey's still hockey, somebody takes a run at someone out there, yeah. or Tammy Panarin gets slammed face first in the boards, hey, maybe we do what we got to do. But you don't need me making appointments in the pregame warm-up anymore, no. like with, with Matthew, your establishment. Who, who, by the way, they play the Jackets again on Wednesday night. Yeah. So we, so so God. we shall see. He's got to be already like what top twenty five in total fights this year. I was thinking I mean, that. he's got four. That he four. Can't be that far off the the lead. I, I well, mean, let's look, just... let's look this up real quick. So talk. So so Van for a second. I'll, I'll yeah. Look. No, because <laughs> no. I mean, Jesus, four, four fight. Yeah, Jeff, producer Jeff is saying the fight leader for the year has ten. So and this is. Okay. Jeez, four fights. That used to be a good night's work in the Norris division for Ken Baumgartner. And now it's in now in a week we're we're flipping out. And I mean there's there's gonna be there's definitely gonna be teams that do not have anyone on the roster with four fights. Uh all year. I'm just long. glad I'm just glad that we got to talk about them while it was still while it was still a hot topic. And I'm glad that everybody has been able to get their stories out in enough time where where he's still he's still doing this every night. So number one. Number one superstar in the league, man. I tell you, it's mm-hmm. Broadway. That's what it does. Oh. Hey, hey, greatest, man! Before we greatest, wrap up, greatest, one... greatest arena on earth. I've heard. Yeah, yeah, it gets mentioned once or twice. Can I mention? Can I do one quick thing before we wrap up? I just yeah. want to personally wish you um, a happy anniversary. Fourteen years from the golden goal, Sidney Crosby overtime, Canada beats the United States. I'd be remiss if I didn't. You know, as a 
for all the joy that Sydney, for all the joy that Sidney Crosby brought to me and so many yeah. people close to me. I mean, I just he really, he, re- he really, really let me down way back one. Heck of a goal, Iggy. The Iggy heard around the world. I didn't really catch years ago. That's miserable. Uh, you know, you know what? I saw somebody tweet like 14 years ago and it was like Canada gold. And I was like, has it really been 14 years since Salt Lake city and Joe Sackick and Mario and everything? And I was like, wow, that's a lot. And then when it did hit me, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go lie down. How are you celebrating this, this, uh, this blessed day? Um, you know what? I, I famously, when I, when it happened, I picked my, uh, my, my daughter said she was so happy. She wanted to walk on the ceiling and I picked her up and I held her upside down and we walked around the basement ceiling. I don't think that's going to fly. That's like, that's like the cutest, that's yeah. the cutest thing I've yeah. ever heard. It was, it was really adorable <laughs> at the time because she was two. I don't feel like it's going to, I don't think, think it's going to fly. You should I just may. see, just yeah. see what happens. I'll just pitch it. I'll be like, look, you can say no, but what would you think? Walk on the ceiling. And then, uh. Yeah, does that'll, she, be the, that'll be the longest does make, conversation. Does, does she make eye contact with you when you yeah. ask the question? No. Nope. No, and no. when I say I'm going to ask her this, like I'll text it to her. That's the only way I have a chance. And <laughs> I'll just get the eye roll emoji back and that'll be that'll be it. But uh, you know, that'll be a pretty good celebration. But whatever. You can, yeah, re- man, you can Silver's report. not bad. Keep telling you. You can report. That. You can report next week how that goes. And you can also yeah. offer Frankie some advice on the joys of parenting uh, a, 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 teenage a teenage girl because a because 14 years from now he's gonna have two of them so congratulations oh boy or frankie uh thank you guys for listening to this what the hell did we call it at the top i can't even remember the athletic hockey shans thank you for listening drop your show name suggestions in the comments we will continue reading them because i think that's funny and if you're into rating podcasts leave us a five-star rating send your review tell us what you like what you don't like and probably change how we do things but never we can pretend also right now you can get a one-year subscription to the athletic for two dollars a month when you visit the athletic.com slash hockey show that is the athletic.com slash hockey show and tomorrow is Haley, max and me and sean gets to hang out and then frankie is back with us next week so enjoy and we'll talk to you later